Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. B B B B B B B B C. Willie is here. Let's, Will, shut, let's we, shut that door, Willie. Willie's shut that door. Yeah, sure. Jack sure. of all trades, Willie. Let's shut that door just in case. We do have other people working in the office, and we start getting loud. One of us is going to get loud during the show today. Willie's here. I'm cranky. Oh, really? Yeah. Rare, rare flip of roles. It's. <laughs> it was funny last night on the uh, Arroyo show. I can't keep my coaches shows straight. Kruger show and Arroyo show were both last night. But on the Arroyo show, Russ was asking Caleb Herring, Russ Langer asking Caleb Herring, um, about motivation. Uh, I guess um, the chuck wagon always has different motivation for each game, and I guess he thought that Hawaii a year ago had talked a little bit too much trash, so he went in fired up. And I had heard him say that about, you know, obviously he gets fired up for Fresno, his hometown school, didn't recruit him. I heard him say that about Reno, that Reno snubbed him. Seemed like they were going to recruit him, they didn't recruit him. But anyway, long story short, Russ was asking Caleb if he went into games angry. And once Caleb got done answering, I was like, well, is anyone going to ask me about anger? I'm like, every morning, every day is approached with well, anger. That's why but apparently you. today you're going to you're gonna come yeah. over the top a la Stallone on me? They didn't ask you because they know that you're always angry. You know what's funny? You have anger. That was the exact line that Russ Langer delivered. Right. I so was like, damn, I have Russ a new, knows me. So here's the thing. I have a new thing at Golden Knights Press Row. Um, usually it's it's – couple bottles of water and a Diet Coke, and then every time in between periods, I grab a Diet Coke. The soda at night, meh. So they now serve a nice coffee in the media dining room. So, so Ice coffee? Yeah, they got the, the, the tower. Really? So I filled up the iced coffee, then I went upstairs, and then they got hot coffee. But instead, between each period, I filled up with ice, got the hot coffee, it diluted it, it you know, melted the ice. So now I did it. So I load up on coffee. Then this morning... Picked up my large coffee on the way out to test for COVID at the Raiders. Then our boy Adam Hill made a Starbucks run. I got another one, which you see right here with me. Yeah, so, I mean, what are you, so, what are you Dan so the, Campbell? How many coffees so, are you going to have? So the caffeine is fired over. Not only that, here we go. but today is National Take a Hike Day. And oh. and and I didn't get to take uh, – the, the hiker of the company eh. didn't get to go on a hike. I did go yesterday. So – I'm just going to sift through my photo album of photos of me and the pup, and I'm just going to do an Instagram post for National Take a Hike Day, even though I didn't get to take a hike today. So I'm a little, okay. I'm a little peeved. All right. He's mad. He's very mad. It's trending at D. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. I assume Aria's okay, but then I got a message a little while before the show that uh, Ari saying it's almost 2022 and some people at my job still couldn't figure out how to mute a microphone during a meeting today. Uh, which of your seven jobs? Uh, this one. one. Hi, everyone in Lotus. Yes. Uh, we had a meeting today on a Zoom type of uh, thing. And boy, people do not listen. It was it was through the whole thing. And the uh, the person running the meeting like several times had to be like, hey, folks, can you turn your phone down? Really? And then it just went on for the next hour. Yes, a lot of fun. You're going. You're going to name names on radio. I don't even know who who it was. Oh. I was. I mean, it was us, Lotus people. There's my names, but yeah, I can't even keep up with who. I have some guesses. But I leave it at that. that. There was a live mic today. At the you did. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. 
All right, so let's get into what's going on with the Raiders. First of all, the injury report is in, and there were a bunch of uh, did not participates. There was. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. So Alec Ingold, as we know, is out. Yep. Um, Nick Kwiatkowski, ankle, did not participate. Keyshawn Nixon, ankle and foot, did not participate. Jalen Richard, Amik Robertson, uh, Jalen with ribs, Amik with the hip, did not participate. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe has a back injury, but he was a full participant. Uh, Brandon Faison, full participant with the finger and the hamstring, and limited in practice, just as he's been limited on the stat sheet, Josh Jacobs. So yesterday was weird. I, I got the vibe from one Adam Hill, who's a part of the company here and there, um, and we didn't get into it too much, but he seemed to be throwing out the premise that the Raiders may not be able to turn the season around. Is it that bad right now? It's just the way that it looks. I mean, it you know, the fact that this team has already had its second half issues, um, mm. you know, the the last two years, 2020, they start off six and three, they go two and five. 2019, six and four, and then they go one and five. Now a lot of people are gonna say, Well, yeah, that was under John Gruden, but you know what? There's fifty three guys that make up a roster. John Gruden's not getting out there and playing either. And it's not like he was trying to lose. And he, and if it was Gruden's fault, then how did they start off six and three and six and four? Um, you know, same thing. And I asked um, Kenyon Drake today. You know, you came out of a situation because he brought up that a lot of people are going to want to blame the off-field distractions, and that just can't be the case. We can't look at it like that, and that's not the situation because they were playing well. And um, you have to, you know, yeah, we have a job to do. The same basically cliche stuff, but. The thing is, after the Gruden emails, they were playing fantastic football under the new quote-unquote regime, right? With Basachi taking over and Olsen calling the plays and Bradley was already in place. So it was a sort of a new mindset. What I want to know is what happened during the bye week? And we already know what happened tragically to Tina Tintor, but what I'm talking about is what happened with the rest of this team and the mindset in how to play football because that's what's alarming because this team has been dominated by now the Giants – and the Chiefs. And yes, it's the Chiefs and it's Pat Mahomes, but is that the game? Is this the team? If 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 the Raiders and Allegiant and the division robber is what had to ignite the Kansas City Chiefs and it made the Raiders look that bad, then yeah, there's a problem and there should be a concern how long this is going to last. Are you surprised that the equally reeling unproven Bengals are favored? On the road? Mm. Is there the other part of this? Do we expect 10,000 Cincinnatans? Is that what they're called? Cincinnatiites? Cincinnatans. Are we expecting some giant influx of Bengals fans in town? Really? The, the Raiders are a dog against a team off a of bye week, but that just lost 41-16 and lost to the Jets before that? Yeah. Yeah, they got they, – I mean, that defense, it folded up, you know, uh, allowed 34 in New York or in Jersey, allowed 41 to the Browns, surprisingly, right? Because the Browns, we thought, had issues. Um, but this is still the same team that went into Baltimore and won 41 to 17. This is still the same team that held Green Bay to 25 points in a three-point loss. Um, so, I, you know, it's – the Bengals are not out of it. And the Bengals are – and just the same way that the Raiders are not. It's a matter of where these teams are at. And you have to look at the – the current situation, right? You have to, the here and now, where are these teams at right now? And the Bengals are coming in off of a bye week. So 
a little more prepared maybe um performance wise power rating wise health wise it, it it doesn't surprise me that the Bengals are favored um i don't necessarily think that they're better than the raiders that beat the eagles or that went into denver and beat denver mm -hmm. i don't think they're better than that team but they're certainly better than the team we saw against the Giants, and they're certainly better than the team that we just saw on Sunday night, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to panic. And I certainly don't think there's any reason to panic with the Golden Knights. We'll take a quick one here. We'll come back and get into what happened last night with the Golden Knights. And it's just the, the fans and sometimes the media and, you know, kind of media gets so up and down over the Knights. I mean, if you look at the, the total picture here with as healthy as they are, not healthy, the run they're in, yeah, they lost to a great team last night. There is no reason to be freaking out about the Golden Knights after a loss to the Canes. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Right wing try from Ethan Bear. Block, rebound, score! And there he is. Yeah. Seth Jarvis with his second NHL goal. Puts Carolina in the lead 3-2. to two. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Oh boy, the dam finally broke against the Golden Knights, beginning of the third Dan Duva on the call there. Willie Ramirez is here. It's Cofield Battleborn Broadcast Center on a Wednesday I mean, it seemed like a matter of time, didn't it? I saw you tweeting about the game, and uh, it was really a, a pretty strong onslaught from the Hurricane the entire game. And then to respond to that shorthanded in the third period, BGK just didn't have it. Yeah, and here's the thing. It's crazy to say this, but as bad – I don't even want to say as bad as the Golden Knights played, even though they play bad. It's it's as well as an oiled machine as Carolina is. I mean, all four lines, the puck movement, the chemistry, the how in sync these guys are, as well as that team played, it was two to two. And the Golden Knights did what they did in the second period, and, and, and Leonard stood on his head, to take a hockey phrase, and played fantastic hockey for the most part. Um, Rebounds is where really what did them in. But the thing is, is, you know, people want to always ridicule goalies for rebound control, right? You hear, you've heard that every year, rebound control. But it's also hit the players in front of him. It's their job to clear that puck at times. Uh, we heard Leonard talk about the stick possibly being flat, you know, and, and that maybe he needed to get a new stick, whatever it may have been. Bottom line is, Carolina has been the best team in the NHL since day one. The Golden Knights have been the hottest, one of the hottest hockey teams. They had one of the top. They were one of the top two in, from a certain range after they went one and four, one four and zero. Oh. They were on an eight two and zero oh run. It's one loss. They're still now eight three and zero. Oh. When they were one and four. If I were to say, tell fans, hey, well, guess what? They're going to go on an 8-3 and three run over the next 11 games. Fans would be elated and be like, great! So the panic button that you're pushing with the Golden Knights right now off of last night against what's been the best team in hockey, shut it. Let's take a quick time out. We'll come back. We'll reset. we got Justin Watkins on the way, our legal insider. 
Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. That's not something that's easy to talk about. Um, I've been trying to get the facts stated and the truth to be told for a while, um, but it's, it's tough to think about. Tried and tried. It's a shame that um, it's, it's gotten this far. We're 24 hours away, so that's tough. Um, hopefully, God can intervene and uh, handle it correctly and you know do the things he needs to do. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. Yeah, time to get to today with Justin Watkins. He's in studio, Battlemore and Broadcast Center. Willie Ramirez is here as well. That was Baker Mayfield on the way back. We'll get into what he was talking about. Um, highly disputed. Execution is scheduled for tomorrow in Oklahoma. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Let's talk about stuff that's closer to home. Uh, first of all, with Henry Ruggs, we got an issue here that he he missed one of his alcohol tests. Now, he's got to take a bunch of them a day. He's on house arrest. I would love to hear the reason for missing a test when you're on house arrest. That's a weird one. But I guess the judge is like, sorry, don't want to hear that he's been perfect so far because he missed this one. So we need to see him. So yep. what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, so it's part of the conditions of house arrest and being released on your own bail. Uh, and so the judge, if they know of a violation of a term of um, of bail, is going to haul them in and they better answer for themselves. If not, they might withdraw the bail and he would have to sit in in jail until until uh, time of trial. I don't think that would happen as a result of missing a single alcohol test, uh, but there are terms that go along with bail. You don't just get to post bail and do whatever you want. House arrest, not leaving the state, not leaving the country. There's, uh, you know, not drinking any alcohol. So he, so being, he, he can't leave the test? I'm sorry, he can't leave home? I don't know the terms of this, but I, my guess is he's not allowed to leave the state of Nevada. Okay, so he's got four tests a day that he's got to take. Yep. yep, so I doubt one missed test. I, she, Judge Bob Bachman is going to say, you know, you got you to explain yourself. What's going on? Why you missed this? And if she's not satisfied with that, she could withdraw bail. But wait, wait a minute, Justin. Let me let me go back because um, I could sit here and dig up the stories while you two talk. But if I'm not mistaken, it was emphatic, emphatic when the conditions were laid down. Yep. Four tests a day, took the passports. If you miss one, with bail's withdrawn and Chargers back or whatever, back in jail. I, it, it, it wasn't, well, come on. If you miss one, we'll get an explanation. Blah, blah, blah. Now you're saying, well, he missed one, so she's going to want to hear what he said. And then if she doesn't like it, how does that change over the course? Because he's been good for two weeks and then, well, let's hear what he had to say. Well, anytime you're taking away somebody's freedoms, um, you have to worry about due process. And so if you just make a blanket rule without giving the person, the offender, the chance to explain I don't know what condition could be justifiable under the situation, right, gotcha. but you got to give them a chance. You okay, got, yeah. They got to get an uh, opportunity to explain themselves. And if you don't like it, boom, it's gone. Right. Gotcha. Um, I can't imagine what he's going to say, but like I said, he's got one of the best attorneys in town. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe does. they get their story figured out. Uh, I don't know, but it seems I'm with Steve on this. If you're on house arrest, it seems very difficult to yeah. miss one of the four tests a day. Uh, but I don't know. We'll we'll hear when he gets to court. It's crazy because I drove by his not on purpose, but I was on my way to a car dealership, and and I always take that direction. So I was going down 
Oki, which is just off the Del Mar and it's near the same community and picked up my car. And on the way to T-Mobile yesterday, I took Rainbow and saw that memorial. And man, it took me back to the week that we, that was yep. a rough week for yep. us, Steve. Just, you know, and it's grown with the flowers and the tribute on that mm -hmm. corner on Spring Valley Parkway and, and Rainbow. Yeah, I drive. I used to live right around the corner from there, um, literally around the corner from there. And uh, so I know the area well. And I was down there and not, you know, uh, was right before I left um, last week. And, and yeah, uh, it, it's, it's touching. And I'm glad um, that it continues to get the proper amount of attention on behalf of the victim. Um, you know, um, Tina deserves to have her name heard throughout all of this, too. And um, I did see. Uh, they were doing a dog walk to show support for Tina and her lost dog, Max. Max, yeah, yep. And um, so, I, I'm glad that our community is um, refusing to allow this to just be a story about a fallen football star. Yeah, real quick, you know, it's it's funny you say that because, um, and I'm not trying to put anyone on blast, but it would be my own editors. But I, I wrote a story, um, and once it was edited it was last week and i want to say it was when deshaun jackson was picked up it was the story i wrote with deshaun jackson and when i sent it in a lot of times when there's two stories three stories going on at the same time and it's basically you're you have one or two of the same paragraphs they'll just go ahead and cut and paste from the main and carry it blend it in sort mm -hmm. of marry the two so i think it was off of his appearance or it was off last week's where he the charges were added but he didn't have to make the appearance and they edited in to, just to clean it up, they edited in, you know, why Jackson was picked up and they put, you know, because Ruggs was released after killing a woman and her dog. I was actually personally annoyed the fact that they took out my graph that had her name and the dog's name because I felt and Steve felt we've been saying since day one that every chance we've had, we've said her name. And then once we knew the dog, we both have been, you know, we've. We changed, flipped the script from naming the, mm -hmm. the receiver's name to the Tina Tintor tragedy, yep. not the certain 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 car wreck that's right I, I think you guys are doing a great job of doing it and I, I don't know that i would have been as aware of others doing it if it hadn't been for you guys being adamant about it from the get-go so david chesnoff the defense attorney has a job to do he is pointing at the firefighters that's kind of his first line of defense here saying the fire department did not do their job and they have uh, eyewitnesses saying that uh, the the attempt to put out the fire wasn't quick enough is this is this the start of a real good defense? Well, I don't know that there's a real good defense, right? I mean, at this point, you're trying to put up whatever defense you can so that you have any sort of leverage on a plea deal. I would imagine, um, you know, the the other sort of line I'm I'm beginning to see is there there was an objection, and there'll be a hearing on the objection to subpoenas from the hospital for Ruggs's medical records. Uh, which would show not only his blood alcohol level, but his injuries. Um, we could talk about that one in a second. But I would, I would say that if they are going to go with an argument that the firefighters did not respond to this quickly enough and that it is due to their negligence that resulted in Tina's death, not the car accident, they're going to have to do a heck of a lot more than eyewitness counts with their opinion on how fast the fire was put out. You're going to need some experts in there to say, whoa, 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 guys, this was all avoidable. This 
you know, at, from the moment they arrived, they had X number of chances to save Tina Tintor's life. And they, you know, missed all of these chances. And because they did that, legally speaking, it is an intervening cause between the car wreck and her death. And therefore, he cannot be legally held responsible for the death. He can be legally held responsible for the accident. Um, well, not the accident, the car crash. It's not an accident. Um, so there's a lot of groundwork there to be laid that uh, clearly has not been laid. And good luck, I think, in laying it. Um, and then secondarily, real quick to the the medical records, if he if his attorneys are, are successful at preventing the subpoena of the records, the blood alcohol is coming in that they may be able to get out all the rest of the private facts around what physically happened to him, his injuries to his neck, his injuries to the rest part of his body, but his blood alcohol is coming in. Okay. So let's go back for a minute. If, if the defense works and he cannot, if they find he cannot, or he will not be held responsible for the death, they'll be held responsible for the wreck. Is there a difference in terms of where he can also be responsible for a fire? Is there is there a level of you're asking the great questions and it, and it, I wish I could give you a easy answer to it. But what we're talking about is the difference between legal causation and proximate causation in the eyes of the law. You must have both and we can all pull back a causal chain and connect events that we would all agree ultimately at the end of the day are unrelated, but they are causally connected, you know, um, not using this car wreck as an example, but I came here today. Uh, I came from the gym. Um, I was hurt at the gym. And, you know, we could work our way back and then end up in a place, the, the butterfly effect, right? Uh, think, of the, think of that that movie of two events that I say are not causally related at all, uh, but, but they actually are. Legally speaking, there is a time at which they say, those that causal chain has to be broken it is too tenuous and we cannot piece it together i believe in this situation even if they were able to prove that the crews were slow in putting out the fire they will not break that causal chain because the causal chain legally speaking includes any foreseeable malfeasance of others so for instance if you hurt somebody in a fight they go to the hospital and the doctor commits negligence, medical malpractice, and makes the injury worse, it's foreseeable that that could happen and you're gonna be held responsible for both the initial injury and the subsequent injury. In this situation, it is absolutely foreseeable that when you hit somebody at 150 miles an hour, that you're gonna put them in peril that maybe emergency crews are not able to save that person from every time, even though technically they have the training to do it. And so I, I don't think this is a winning argument. And I think I, hopefully I'm making that clear at the onset. I don't think this is a winning argument. I think they got to find an argument. They got to try to come up with the best plea deal that they can. Um, like I said, you know, my, my buddy, Josh Tomchek, criminal attorney here in town said it would be a big win uh, to get this thing into a six to 15 year. That's, that's the window that he sees as a win. Anything under the eight to 20, which is the max would probably be a win. Justin Watkins, 5709000, attorney here at Battlemore and Injury Lawyers. So we've got an Oklahoma case that's gone national, and there's an execution that's set to go down tomorrow. Julius Jones 
is the dude's name. Uh, he was convicted in a 1999 murder case, but he claims he was framed. The Oklahoma Parole Board recommended clemency and knocking it down from death penalty to life in prison. So where are we on this? And right now it's in the governor's hands, right? And then tomorrow night's the night? Right. It's in the governor's hands. I mean, um, you know, every state's a little bit different, but the clemency board they have there recommended a reduced sentence, um, you know, to life, which isn't exactly a ringing endorsement of innocence either, you know. And so it puts the governor, I think, in a in a in a tougher spot than say, for instance, the couple of cases we've had recently in the state of Nevada where people were on death row and the parole probation board specifically said, we believe there's proof of innocence and this person must be um, uh, forgiven and, and, and taken off death row. Um, so here, I, I, I wish I had more information and could say I watched that documentary, the 2008 documentary on his case. I don't know all the details and I don't know all the sides about the innocence other than the main identifying witness was a nine year old. And that's always tough. But is, does that prove innocence to me? It does not. But I'm not sufficiently educated on these facts to tell you, like, my opinion as to whether or not I think he did it or not. I will just tell you this. I am, my position is that the death penalty, these these two different things that we're talking about right now, a clemency board and a governor having the right to halt the execution um, without any parameters to how he does that. He just has the right if he wants to or not. There's no set of circumstances under which he must, and there's no circumstances under which he may, and there, he just may anytime he wants, creates a scenario in which people's inherent biases naturally affect decision-making. There's no way around it. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. Willie couldn't do it. None of us can do it because our inherent biases are unknown to us. So I can't ignore my inherent biases. And because of that, and because it's the taking of a person's life, and because we cannot create a unified set of rules that can be applied evenly across the board, I don't think anybody should be put to death in this country. Justin Watkins is with us. All right, we lighten it up, get to a couple of uh, local stories. Uh, good news, tourism is uh, back up. Hotel tax numbers are back up. So we had to dip into the reserve fund to pay for that $750 million for the stadium. I think it was a total of three times. There's still money in the reserve fund, but they do not have to touch that now with the latest payment yeah i mean that's great news right i mean um considering the circumstances i think the fact that we dipped in you know effectively three quarters worth of a year uh is not not that bad i mean the amount we had to dip in in those three quarters was significant so mm -hmm. it's not like we were just a little bit under and had to like you know put in a 10 percent. i mean i think one of those payments was 80 something percent of the payment that was due it was really high but you know <laughs> i was against the stadium funding i'm going to tell you though they did structure the bill well to to prepare for something like this they required from the get-go to uh, the creation of two years worth of reserve and in the first four years they got more than a year's worth of reserve um which is great and uh and they used it well and it's great to hear that we're back above water. So even though it's a bill that I wouldn't have voted for under its current construct with the amount of money that we're, we're talking about here, they did a great job in its structure and in their structure worked. Justin Watkins, former assemblyman 
in the state of Nevada public servant. Um, there are a lot of people who still don't like the funding deal for the big stadium. There are people in Green Valley who aren't happy with a new arena going down over there being built on Green Valley Parkway. And for the most part, the community activists have lost every fight. Uh, their latest fight, and I, I wonder for you, is this worthwhile? Uh, they were talking about too much signage and signage that is too bright and discussing, hey, when the signs can go on, LED signs, um, could it be dangerous at that intersection? What do you think of, of this battle? Yeah, no, I think it's, I mean, I think that that's important. I think that signage and LEDs and placement is is all important. I just, it, it's it's frustrating. You're, t- you're talking to me as an advertising attorney. And so I have some biases here yeah. myself, which is that the rules don't apply evenly. That there are a ton of stuff I'm not allowed to do as an advertising mid-sized law firm that if the casinos want it, they get it. If Amazon wants it, they get it. If Coca-Cola wants it, they get it. They change all the rules because they have all the juice huh, okay. when it when it seems impossible in right. writing for me to accomplish the same thing. And so um, I think, you know, I have a cynical view on this. I'll be honest with you. And my cynical view is, you know, if you're if you got a bunch of money and you're powerful, you can do what you want in any advertising. I mean, go look at all of the mobile moving advertising, animated advertising that you see on the strip. Can I do that up here in Summerlin where it's much less dangerous? No. Right. And uh, when I asked you, is it worthwhile? It's, it's worthwhile. Yeah. Because it affects, you know, when people moved in those neighborhoods that this is not what was there. And like, I don't live over there now, but I lived over there in 2000. Yeah. And now when I go over on Green Valley Parkway, like that used to be a really quiet area. Um, and certainly, you know, listen, the, the number of events there is kind of limited, but it's still more than it ever was. Yeah. And on those days, like I would wonder if I have to go up the hill. Actually, I have family who lives up there. Uh, if I have to go up that hill, like that is going to be, I think Adam Candy lives over there as well. We'll talk to this about Candy at some point. Dustin DeHart is over there. Like it is, it does affect your lifestyle. Yeah. I'm building a house over that way. Oh, know, that's right. right. So, I mean, two years from now, I mean, I'm in, we're, we're <laughs> still right. doing sketches on napkins right now, but, uh, but yeah, I think that stuff matters. And I, I will say, I think the city of Henderson has done a, a really good job of creating an environment that is receptive to the people that live there Good. and and what they want and don't want. I'll say the residents lost out on this one. It, if they pulled the community, I'm going to say it was three to three to one against. Uh, so they clearly lost out on this deal. It was the, the train was coming down the tracks and there no community activist was stopping this one. Um, a little bit like the Las Vegas ballpark, to be honest with you. It was another one that was all uh, going to happen no matter what. Um, but I actually think it's going to be a good spot. I think it's good to be there. Uh, I like that area. I like the 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 um, multi-gen that's there and the pavilion that's there. I think it's cool. I think it'll be a cool little spot. And, and, and I bought tickets to it. So all right, I hope it is. We appreciate it. Thank uh, you. Thanks, guys. Uh, tonight, legal podcast. So we'll talk to you at 9 o'clock up online at Steve Cofield and YouTube. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. Shea to the middle of the shot, stick save, rebound, score! Teovo Teravainen, and it's a 4-2 Carolina lead with 6.19 to go. 
You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Bring in Brian Lessing, our VGK insider, also gambling expert from Sports Grid Radio. Brian, I think I keep uh, IDing the uh, SiriusXM channel incorrectly. I was saying 204. You guys on 159 now? It, it was. It had been, yeah, all year. It was 204, and then they moved it to 159. I'm like, well, what's that all about? Well, and the word is, I guess the clo- the closer you get to 100 is good. So no, there were like four or five stations that moved. So now it's Sirius 159. There you go. Well, congrats. I guess. Um, I guess I. Yeah. Uh, it, it's good. It's good. Uh, let's uh, let's get into the Golden Knights last night. So three game win streak ends. It was the Hurricanes. I see some uh, see some people getting all rankled, but uh, that's a About good what? Team. Yeah, I mean, what, because because <laughs> it's just that's the up and down nature of the Golden Knights. The, the Golden Knights kind of media and fans. Well, I mean, they got beat by a good team. Yeah, they they, they they just got beat, and that's all there is to it. They won games, some games they shouldn't have won. Leonard stood on his head, kept them in games. I mean, honestly, you can make a real serious case that these guys have overachieved to this point with all these injuries, and they're very, very fortunate that they are where they are because, unbelievably, Anaheim and L.A. are going nuts, and even San Jose's winning. And we always poke holes at the Pacific being the weakest division in the league. And right now, if if Vegas hadn't did what they did, I mean, the Ottawa game, Ottawa should have been up three nothing, you know. And Vegas wins that game. Montreal outshot them twenty one to one in the first period. Vegas won that game. I mean, you think of the game, some of the game, the Dallas game, they had no business winning the Dallas game. I mean, they got to be doing a cartwheel. They are where they are, and it's a good thing they are where they are. And then. Last night, I've never seen anything like this. I know Willie's there. I, I've covered a lot of hockey teams over the years, and teams get hit by an injury bug. I get it. This is lunacy where every night you're losing a key guy. And Shea Theodore, all by his lonesome in the corner, concusses himself. Yeah. And then then 10 minutes later, Dodonov, he's just lucky he didn't lose an eye. And I'm not being a jerk about that. That was scary. That stick comes up underneath that visor. I mean, this is reaching just stupid levels of how does this stuff keep happening to them you're i'm telling you it all goes back to when stone got ear hold on the first shift of the preseason game and i'm going that's not a good omen and it hasn't stopped since yeah and i guess that would be why the golden knights claim forward adam brooks off waivers today i mean this is need a, a body t- yeah you need a body and and i was that's what i was gonna say you know it popped in my head when you as you were talking is for those of the people that are clamoring that, oh, man, look how they looked and what are we going to do and so on and so forth, you know, let's not forget about what the team looked like when the team, when the season started and it was one and four and it reels off eight of ten and it climbs to, you know, it the, the, the offensive nine numbers climb. And Leonard has played, you know, he's let some goals in, but, you know, he let four goals in the other night, but they also scored seven. Um but in reality, I think he went on a four out of five game stretch where he allowed two or fewer goals. Um, Carolina is a really good. I mean, if you watch that game, they skate in. I mean, in sync, they, their puck handling skills. They know where they're at at all. They, you know what, Brian? And correct me if I'm wrong, but compare this for me or, or take this take this conversation further. I'm watching that game last night, and I'm thinking. Peter DeBoer has to be watching the Hurricanes thinking to himself, this is going to be the team I will have when it's fully healthy. Sure. I mean, 
a team of that ilk, sure. There's no doubt. But you got to get there first. And, you know, we've been saying this forever. And I, who was it? Mark Stone last night. Said, Nobody's feeling sorry for the Golden Knights. And that's right. for sure. Right. You know, other teams are dealing with big injuries. Hey, Pittsburgh started out without Crosby and Malkin. And then Crosby came back and he got COVID. And then they lost eight guys in their head coach. And they've dug a crater for themselves. The Islanders. Are a team you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to be anywhere near them in the playoffs, but the rub is always with the honors. Will they get there? And they start with a 13 game road trip because they're building a new arena. I don't know that the Islanders make it. I mean, you know, all these there's a lot of good teams. Listen, the Devils won the Stanley Cup one year with Bradour, and everybody came back. They didn't make the playoffs the next year. Nothing's given to you. I mean, especially in this sport, you don't bring your lunch pail, man. You got a problem. And let's not forget. That and I brought this up several times. Um, I brought it up on the show the other day to Ashley, right? The rink reporter um, mm-hmm. brought it up in press conferences to Petrangelo. Let's not forget that the St. Louis Blues team that won the Stanley Cup was in last place of the National Hockey League in January. Made a goalie switch to Jordan Bennington, got their act together, went on a run, and won the whole thing. So. We're still in November, and the panic mode button, I get it. You want to be concerned, but it wasn't too long ago the Golden Knights were well far behind the Edmonton Oilers. And before last night's game, they were only four points back. I, I'm missing something, Willie. I swear to you. I don't know who, who's who's pushing a panic button. I I get it. Fans, social media. I, fans, fans, fans. Uh, it's insanity. I mean, listen, I said before the Eichel deal, said if you're eight to ten points behind with 25 games to go, eight points, let's say. You're eight points back in this division, and that lineup is full, and Eichel comes in. You're making that up in a heartbeat. But the the, the real true number, though, at Thanksgiving, it's a 85% of the teams that are, quote-unquote, in the playoffs if the season ended today make it. St. Louis, you know, that was lightning in a bottle. They were last in the league and came all the way back. I mean, that, believe me, that's the exception, not the rule. So instead of being panicky about where they are today, Vegas fans should be thrilled they are where they are today, just with what I was saying three minutes ago. I mean, they could be literally, you know, six, seven points behind these teams that are ahead of them. Brian Blessing, K-Shop and Sports Grid Radio as we uh, get to some football games this weekend, NFL and college football. Uh, first of all, what are you going to do with the Bills against the Colts? Ooh, no, I'm going to watch. <laughs> the... Colts should have won the playoff game against the Bills last year. The Colts beat themselves in that game. I've been telling, I've been banging their drum, if they can get there, you know, if, the big if word. But if if they right the ship, they find a way to get in as a wild card. They're akin to Tennessee to me. They are a team I would want no part of. And a week ago, they were 80-1 to to win the Super Bowl. I know it sounds nuts, but they should have beaten the Rams. Uh, Wentz gave the game away. Wentz gave the Rams game away. Wentz gave the Tennessee game away. This is a team can run the football, and with Taylor now, you can say that's the running attack that Tennessee would have with Henry. Uh, Indy's a, a real tough team. Now I don't know. I don't know. They walk in here and win this one. They do have playoff revenge. I'm hoping they don't. But I'm also thinking this is a team that goes on a run here on the back half of the season. I think they can walk in there and win. But the Bills. It's about time for them to wake up, and they got a tough stretch coming up. They got a Thanksgiving game with Tampa, uh, New Orleans. Then they've got Tampa Bay, and then in short order, they're going to have uh, games with the Patriots in two out of three weeks. 
and the Patriots have at the very least made the division interesting, but I think Indy's a dangerous team. Uh, this game, the ultimate showdown with the books, because I feel like they've the books have been really high on both Philly and the Saints, and the Eagles at home are really short favored against New Orleans. Yeesh, that's another one, but that's a, that's a tough one. I, Philly is one of those real in and outers for me. I mean, you go across and you beat Denver the way you did. Um, that look really good. Then they come back and, and they're capable of laying an egg. New Orleans defense to me is. You know, they stub their toe every blue moon, but that's a real physical defense. If I had to, I'd, I'd lean New Orleans' way. Uh, you know what? I think the under is absolutely the way to go in that game. These are my favorite weeks in college football to speculate and try mm-hmm. to be uh, amateur psychiatrist, so let's do it. Justin Fuente going to be gone at VTAC, so do the Hokies come out all jacked up plus eight against Miami? Uh, that's a tough one. Mark Lawrence made the point. He's down in South Florida. He was on with me today that Miami's about to get rid of their coach, too. Right. I mean, it's it's not Primrose Lane there. And the point he made, though, that was that Fuentes had basically recruited all these kids at Virginia Tech. Anything's going out the door, they'll play hard for them. But hard to trust either team. Brian Blessing is up with us as we break down some college football. All right, NC State. You know, we got all mm-hmm. these bubble burst, disappointing spots, NC State. Coming in, laying 11-and-a-half against Syracuse. Yeah, it could be one you take a peek at in that regard, Steve. But some of these teams, some of the the quality teams have been able to – the bubble burst is a real thing. Yeah. But there are a handful of them that seem to survive it. And I think NC State may be one of those teams. I don't know that Syracuse is that good. They could be – NC State could be mad and say, hey, listen, we still got an opportunity for a real good ball. I don't know. You know, they had already suffered a defeat, so they wouldn't necessarily qualify in that regard. They just lost a hard-fought game. I, I think they'd be that one instance. I think they'd be more inclined to take it out on Syracuse than pout. I'm already on Michigan State plus 19 against Ohio State. Am I crazy? I no, I'm with you. I for the life of me, I this number is stupefying. <laughs> just to the point, the the number we or the conversation we were just having is Michigan State. You know, on this great run, and all of a sudden, the weight of expectations, they lose to Purdue. And it was a horrible spot. Let down after beating Michigan State, they lose. Then you come back and you play Maryland. Well, they won and covered. They avoided the bubble burst, I think, because they're a good team. And they still have a lot to play for. They didn't fall all that far in the rankings. Ohio State's looking ahead to Michigan. I, it's, I think Michigan State certainly covers this. I think they hang around and at the worst, I think the backdoor covers in play. Other side of that matchup next week, do we play against Michigan, Maryland plus 15? Uh, yeah. I mean, I honestly, I I could see both those teams winning and not covering. I And the hook is big. It's 14 and a half Michigan at Maryland. I, I just don't think it's a, a good spot for either one of these teams. Not only is it Michigan, Ohio State, it's Michigan, Ohio State, you know, with a chance to be playing in the playoffs. So they really are looking ahead, big time. Are we both on SMU plus 11.5 against Cincy, who can't cover? I think it makes sense. Uh, Mark was of the belief that uh, Cincinnati's defense would be the difference maker. And that did kind of, you know, twist my opinion on this because I looked at it and I thought, I'm thinking SMU. 
But he's talking about how good that defense is. The one thing I think is true, and if anybody's out there and you like SMU, so be it. If you like Cincy, so be it. But I think it's a correlated parlay. If SMU's covering that number, it's going over 65. And if Cincinnati's winning the game and covering, it's because their defense was indeed the difference maker and the defense dictated the play. So to me, it's Cincinnati in the under or SMU in the over. I don't have a real strong opinion. I just... My concern was, Mark said Cincinnati. My thing is, boy, there's a lot of pressure on Cincinnati. You know, I mean, SMU maybe could come in here on a free roll, and there's a banana peel sitting there. I, I Initially, I thought SMU, but maybe I'm leaning to the under. Uh, you know what? I'm going to jump in here real quick, Brian. I, I, I love Cincinnati in this spot because they have no choice but to go out and prove their worth. And I'll point out, SMU looks good on paper, but the two losses were mm-hmm. on the road. Houston, Memphis, against top-tier teams where they couldn't perform. So I I looked at this game earlier in the week. I looked at the number. I love Cincinnati because I think it it – It all works in favor for the Bearcats, for everything it needs to do to continue to cling to what it's, it's, you know, hopes, which is out of their control realistically in terms of staying in that top four. But they need to win. They need to win convincingly. And like I said, if you look at the context of the of SMU's losses in in who they played, where Mm -hmm. I think that uh, I think that they're showing you know, what they do against the better competition on the road. So I lean toward Cincinnati in this one. And I'm typing fast. Let's see if we can find Cincinnati weather, just out of curiosity. Uh, 51 degrees. Nah, no, just 51 degrees. No big deal. You know what? I'm listening to you. I'm listening to Mark Lawrence. You guys have both made very good cases. I do believe, however, side, whatever side you're on, it correlated. You talked me into it, Willie. I like the under. <laughs> Brian, have a good week. I'm serious. I, you know, listen, the minute you think you know everything, you know nothing. And, I, you know, I listened to two guys that just made really good cases for Cincinnati. Well, I miss you at the Golden Knights games, buddy, so let's go. All right, kiddo. Yeah, I've been busy. I got a boatload of stuff going on. We can get through this football season. I'll see you. But I know you're I know you're running around there dressed to the nines. You know, oh. I show, show up in my sweatpants. <laughs> see you, Brian. See you, boys. Giveaway time right now, 364-1100-364-1100. Caller number seven, you get a pair of tickets to Enchant, the Christmas experience at LV Ballpark. This is brand new to the market. They also have it in uh, D.C. and St. Petersburg and Dallas. Enchant, the Christmas experience, 364-1100. It's at the LV Ballpark. Caller number six. Uh, right now, two tickets are 40 bucks. You can get your own at EnchantChristmas.com. After the 17th, they go up a little bit. It's very cool. You're talking about uh, one of the best magical light maze experiences you're going to find anywhere in the country. Holiday light displays up to 100 feet tall. It runs from the 26th of November to January 2nd. It's at LV Ballpark, and tickets again are on sale at EnchantChristmas.com, 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.